Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. So Molly and I started this sermon series, um, and the sermon series is called How Can I Help? How Can I Help? And um, we started it with a presupposition. We started it with this belief that every single one of us that knows Jesus and loves God and has been drawn into relationship with him, that every one of us want to be used by God to bring others into his kingdom, that it's the, the, the desire of our heart that all that we have experienced, the, the love and the care and the compassion and the life transformation, we believe in our hearts that there's not a single person here that has tasted that, that doesn't want other people to be able to experience it along with us. Is that true? You want that, right? And, and so one of the big conundrums of life is that we've experienced so much love and joy and peace and strength and comfort in our connection with God. And we want to, to draw other people into experiencing that, but it's difficult to do. And, um, and so we are constantly asking God, why can't we be more impactful in, in people's lives and draw them into a saving connection with Jesus, a lifelong and even an eternal friendship with Jesus? And I think you guys that part of the issue is that the models that have been handed to us, the world is changing so quickly around us and the models for, um, sharing our faith, the models for drawing people into the orbit of Jesus are, are, are oftentimes so archaic. They're so old. They don't work anymore. They, it, they don't feel comfortable to us. They don't feel comfortable with our personality or the friend group that we have. And so we very understandably, we have this like, this tension because we want to, to, to bring other people along because it's our greatest act of love. It's the most important work that we could ever do. And yet it's not easily done. And so what we've been praying about is we, we know that, that God is calling us to this, but there has to be a better way. And so we are calling this sermon series, How Can I Help? And what we're thinking about is that that um, there are ways that we can live our lives that would so powerfully draw people into God's presence and into um, really to life change. And I, I want to say this, you guys, that we have to crack this code. We have to crack the code. We need to find the keys that will, I, I had this image of us in handcuffs. So often it feels like we're handcuffed and we don't know how to get free so that we can lead people into uh, a relationship with Jesus. And I saw that people that don't know the Lord, their hearts are all locked up. And I have to, I, I want to tell you, we have to find those keys. We have to find the keys that set us free from being ineffective and being scared and not, not doing anything because we just don't know what to do. And we have to find the key that will unlock the hearts of people that think wrong things about God and are living lives that, that cause them despair and hopelessness and, and delusion. We have to find those keys, you guys. And I, I, I just want to be honest with you. I want to challenge you in this way. And it's this, that, you know, if at the end of, of your life, if you die and you meet the Lord and you say to him, God, I loved you so much. I loved worshiping you. I was so thankful for you. I loved our connection. 
and you say to him, I really loved the church. I served on Sundays. I tithed. I, I, I was a part of the community. And I didn't do very well with your kids that don't know you. I didn't do very well at seeking and the saving the lost. But I hope that two out of three is okay. I imagine that the Lord will be more teary than I was. And he will say, it's not okay. It's not okay that you're great at loving me and that you're great at loving the church. We have to love the lost. We have to find a way of drawing them into his saving love. We have to do this, you guys. And so um, we're taking the rest of this year, this last quarter, to focus on our engage flame. Harm talked about it. The engage flame is all about engaging the world around us by seeking and saving those that need Jesus. And so we're going to fight for this so that we can get those keys that would unlock those handcuffs and unlock the hearts of people around us. Are you okay with that? Can we do this journey together? And um, here's the thing, is that the defining sort of premise of our series is that there are many ways to reveal the beauty of Jesus to people. There are many ways to show people how amazing God is. It's not just one or two ways. It's not just one or two things that we all have to do in the exact same way. There's so many ways that we can reveal the glory and the goodness and the love and the compassion of God. And we need to tap into those things, you guys. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make our approach to connecting with people and loving people and drawing them into relationship with Jesus, our approach will be to meet them where they're at, to meet their needs. And I, I, I want to tell you guys that all of us who love Jesus, all of us who follow him, we have followed him because we had a need for him in our lives. Every one of us did, right? We needed his love. We needed his care. We needed his compassion, his power, his forgiveness, his freedom. Not one of us came not needing anything from God. We all needed him. We felt empty and purposeless, and he gave our lives meaning and direction. We felt sick and weak, and he gave us power, overcoming power. Everything that we've ever needed, we've found in God. That's how we come to him. And so we are going to help people by meeting their needs through God working through us. Because every person that you meet needs the Lord. Every person and we can minister to them through our care and through our compassion. And so kind of a guiding principle here for, for um, uh, the way that we connect with the world is that very trite saying that is actually really, really powerful. And it's this, that people won't care what you know until they know that you care, right? And that is such a powerful approach to people because it disarms them. And so we're going to talk about how to let God use you how to let God use me to minister to people so that they would, they would come to a place where they would say, I need God. I need more of God. Can you imagine loving people in such a way, pouring your life out in them in such a way that they would be asking you, how can I get to Jesus? How can I get what you have? That's what we're headed towards, you guys. They will know that we are Christians by what? By our love. And so the thing that we're going to talk about today, the first thing is, what is you know, give, give us a tool for, for loving people outside of our faith. We're going to talk about compassion and comfort today. We're going to talk about comfort as a way of just serving people and introducing them to the compassion and the love of Jesus. And so I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. 
It says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, there it is, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our, uh, comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, and I hear your stories, we suffer Sometimes we suffer because we follow Christ, but we share in those sufferings, right? For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And for any one of us that have been walking with Jesus for any time at all, you have experienced the comfort of Jesus, haven't you? And how much do you guys love that the God that we serve, our Father, is the Father of all comfort, He's the God of compassion. When you turn to God, what you will receive is comfort. You will receive his love. You will receive his mercy in a powerful way. It's just like what Mike was talking about uh, during our communion time, right? And so my question is, do you know someone in your life that could use some comfort? Do you know anyone in your life that needs some compassion, Is there a person in your life who has a kid that they're worried about? Is there a person in your life that got a scary diagnosis? Is there a person in your life whose job is is freaking them out? Maybe they're unfulfilled in it or they know they're going to lose their job. You know someone who needs to be comforted. You know someone who needs to be shown compassion. And of course, you know, any comfort for a, a hurting person would be great, right? Anything at all. They say any port in the storm will do, right? I've got a, kind of a famous picture of that. And you guys, I hope you know that there are many, many people that you know that are suffering and they will suffer in silence and they will suffer alone unless someone comes and helps them out, shows them the love of God. But what they're doing is they're doing any port in the storm. And that means that they will get their comfort from drinking alcohol. They will get their comfort from smoking pot. They will get their comfort from pornography. They'll get their comfort from mindless screen time or shopping or any number of things, anything to just make the pain and the fear and the loneliness go away for a moment. And so any person at all that would offer a tiny word of comfort would be welcome to them. But how much more, you guys, if they got to experience the comforter himself? How much more if they got to experience the love of their father, the one that created them, the one that designed them? How much more? It would be healing to them. It would be re- restoring to them. It would change their lives if someone would represent Jesus to them, the one that can truly bring comfort. And we have that Jesus in every one of us. He is in you. He is in me. And lest you think, because I know that this the rubber has to meet the road, right? This has to be in real time. And lest you think, I don't think I'm a very comforting person. I don't think that I could, I could really minister the way that you're talking about to someone that I don't know very well. You know what I mean? Once you get outside the confines of this room, it gets a little sketchy, doesn't it? But I want to tell you guys that you are uniquely qualified and equipped for this. You are uniquely qualified and equipped for this work. Your life, your storyline 
is it, it's what qualifies you to be a huge comfort to people. Your story itself equips you to minister powerfully to people. And you're never going to believe this, but guess what? It's not your successes. It's not your accomplishments. It's not the, the breadth of your Bible knowledge that is going to be the instrument of God's compassion in someone's life. Instead, it's your weakest stuff. It's your weakest moments. It's all of your brokenness that will make you the perfect person to show compassion to somebody. That cancer that you endured, the mess that you made of your marriage, the rebellion that your kids went through, the death of the loved one, all of those are what make you the perfect person to bring care and compassion and understanding to someone that desperately, desperately needs it. And it's amazing to me, but even the ugliest stuff, even the ugliest stuff are the things that God uses to bring healing. One of the things that as a guy um, in ministry for years and years and years, one of the things that I have seen over and over again is that so many of the guys that struggle with pornography, um, it's amazing because pornography, all that sexual stuff is so shameful. It's so isolating. And yet, how often is it that somebody that is battled in that area, God ends up using that very same person to bring others out of it, to help them, to pour light and life and hope into other people's lives. God uses our brokenness more powerfully than he ever uses the shiny, happy parts of us. You are amazingly equipped for this, you guys. Um, I was at a, uh, and, and what people, what people really, really need is someone that gets them. Someone that will be with them and understand what they're going through. Molly and I were at a, a meeting of pastors earlier this week and we sat in a circle together and uh, we had everybody just share updates on their lives. And, and as these pastors are sharing one by one, they're, they're telling war stories of, of their, you know, their life and ministry and their congregations and things like that. And as they're sharing the, the challenges and the difficulties and the things that are hard about it, I'm looking at these other pastor couples just nod their heads knowingly. And I could see, I could see the lifting because, you know, these pastors, we, we all kind of wonder, like, I, 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 I don't, I'm not sure how good of a job I'm doing. I know I'm not doing it perfectly, but then we hear other pastors that are struggling with the same things that we do. And somehow just in the sharing of that in being in proximity, the load gets lifted. And we think, I'm not alone in this. Somebody gets me. Somebody understands me. And so we guys are so equipped for this, to bring comfort and compassion to people around us. And it's your broken places that will probably speak the loudest. But there's one more thing that might be even more important and more powerful in you than your life experiences. And it's this. Not only do we have all of that we can, that we can offer to people, but we have the very comforter himself living in us. Are you guys aware of that, right? We have the spirit of God dwelling in our hearts. The Holy Spirit's called the comforter. I, I was, I, Molly and I were watching, uh, The Chosen last night, which is this series that, that, you know, depicts the life of Jesus. I find it incredibly powerful. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, if I could just run around life with Jesus right next to me, any situation that I got myself in, I'd be like, you're up, go, you know, do it. I've got all confidence. Nothing is too much, right? 
And yet, when we have the spirit of Jesus living inside of us, I'm like, oh boy, I don't know. And maybe it's time that we started to realize and to release the powerful presence of God that is living and dwelling in us. And for any of you Holy Spirit people that are just dying to see the Spirit manifested in your life, then pour out the compassion of Jesus to someone who needs it, and you will see the Spirit at work. God will move powerfully in that. Put yourself on the line. Amen? Okay. Thank you. I'm just, I feel so needy today. It's like, please feed me. Okay, so I want to get practical here uh, this morning. And I want to give you guys two tools that are going to be really powerful. They're going to equip you to showing the mercy and the compassion and comfort of God. I'm going to give you two of these, okay? Uh, and they're very, very simple. They're actually not difficult to do. Well, they're not complex. I'll say that, okay? Um, and so these two practices are amazingly powerful at transmitting the compassion and the comfort of God. And the two practices are this. Be with... And mirror. You guys say be with. Be with. Did you guys say be with? Yeah. No, 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 no. This, this is over here. S- say be with. be with. Okay. And you guys say mirror. 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 Okay. So you're the mirror gang. You're the be with gang. Okay. So be with and mirror. Let's start with be with. So when people are hurting for virtually any reason, what they need is for someone to simply be with them, right? They want to know that they are not alone. And there is incredible comfort in simply having someone alongside of you so that you know that you're not alone in this thing, which is why over and over and over again in scripture, we see God telling us, I am with you. Jesus said, I am Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, right? The word says, uh, Jesus said, and his last thing, he said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The, the psalmist said, there's nowhere that I can go where God isn't with me. I can hide anywhere and he'll be there. There's no place that I can go without God. And what hurting people really need to know is that they're not alone that they need to feel comforted, that someone is simply with them. And one of the most profound pictures of comfort, I believe, anywhere in Scripture, is actually found in the book of Job. And you probably know the story. Job was this really amazing, godly, righteous man who had this huge family, and he was wealthy. Everything was working for him. And for whatever reason, um, everything went south. And the enemy, Satan, came to just steal all of it from him, right? And so he lost his health. He lost his home. He lost all of his children. He lost everything. He was misery, you know, incarnate. The only thing he had left was a nagging wife, which was just like, okay, that's a bummer right there. But um, his despair was soul crushing. His despair was soul crushing, but he had these three friends who endeavored to come and comfort him, right? And so they decided we're going to get together and we're going to go and we're going to comfort Job. I want to read this to you. Job chapter 2, verse 11. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon Job, they set out from their homes and they met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, 
This is how bad it was. They could hardly recognize him. And they began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Now listen to this. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights and no one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Can you imagine? Can you imagine doing that? They just, for seven days and seven nights, they sat and they suffered alongside um, Job and Eliphaz and Zophar and Bildad, they nailed it in that moment, right? To simply have someone come alongside you um, is what people that are hurting really, really long for. And I, um, I have a, <laughs> I've got some stories from being in ministry, but I remember um, several years ago, I was um, working with someone who was really, really struggling, really, really having a tough time. And I, um, with every good intention, I heard their story, and then I tried to um, make them feel better by telling them that it's not that bad. I tried to, honestly, I, I tried to show them like, hey, look at the bright side. And I did that for a few minutes, and this person was in so much pain that they eventually looked at me and they said, you're not helping. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> Okay, let's try a new, a new angle, right? But solving doesn't help very often. Coming alongside and attuning is what helps people. Um, and so that is, this is what it means to, to just be with, right? And, uh, the end of the story, I wish I could tell you that Job's three friends, that they just sat there with him. They never said a word and Job was comforted by it. And that's the end of the story. But you probably know that the, 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 uh, discomfort of walking with Job in his incredible pain got to be too much for them. And you know, that's the thing is that, Comforting people and walking with people when they're in a place of suffering, it's hard. It fills us with anxiety. And we, if we care about them, we want to solve it. And so we try to pull them out of their suffering. And when we do that, usually we screw it up. Usually we end up like dislocating an arm or something like that because we're trying to rescue them out of their anxiety and we're really trying to rescue ourselves out of, out of our anxiety. And so, um, you know, the guys, the next chapter, actually chapter four, they finally broke after seven days and they said, Job, will you be annoyed if we speak? I just can't keep quiet any longer. And it's at that point where everything went south. And God actually, he got mad at those guys for the way that they treated Job and the way that they misrepresented his heart. It's much better for us to just get down into the pit with the one who is suffering. No fixing needed. All right, I um, we have a dear friend, Kathy Bassler, all the Bassler's and the Newmeyers. Um, Kathy is, yeah, Kathy, will you come on up? Where's the handheld? Oh, can you, um, can you grab the handheld for Kathy? So, um, Kathy actually is the one that took Molly and I to, um, Israel. to Israel this year. And, uh, Kathy and her husband, Ed, um, they had this amazing ministry called Sold Out. They've just been dear friends. And Kathy has, uh, has, uh, quite a story, but she has walked through many, many, many seasons of learning how to bring comfort and be a comfort. And she's also walked through many seasons of grief. And so I wanted to give Kathy a chance to share a little bit of her story. Here, you can slide that over here. Slide it over. 
Um, it's interesting because today is October 1st, and 46 years ago today, uh, I lost my first child. My baby was born and lived an hour and a half and uh, died, and that was really intense. And at that time, I didn't have anyone who knew how to comfort. Um, and what we learn in these places is that these broken places, when you let the Lord shine through that, he can touch people. And so after that, I was able to minister to my uh, my gynecologist's wife, I mean, my OB's wife. I got to, oh, so many people the Lord brought in my life because I had gone through that. Um, I wanted to read a scripture. It says in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, all who listen to my instructions and follow them are wise, like a man who builds his house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floods rise and the storm winds beat against his house, it will not collapse for it's built on a rock. For those who hear my instructions and ignore them are foolish, but a man who builds his house on the, like a man who builds his house on a sand. For when the rains and floods come and storm winds beat against his house, it will fall with a mighty crash. And so what I want to say to all of you is everybody's going to go through a storm. Everybody. Just expect it. If you love, you're gonna, there's going to be a time you may get hurt. If you open yourself to anything in life, you're going to see some of that. And um, I, almost a year and a half ago, my husband, or a couple years ago, my husband met that storm. He was a fine, healthy man of God, did everything pretty right. You know, he was serving the Lord. He, we were Christians together. Our our life was blessed. We had children and grandchildren, and we gave to the, the poor and the needy, and we did ministry and everything. And he got cancer. And uh, he almost died within the first few days. We called a fast and prayer. I got before the Lord, and I begged him for time. I repented, extremely repented for the fact that I took him for granted, like we all do. We were married 45 years. You kind of get used to a person. And I felt like I took him for granted. He wasn't, you know, I didn't let him know how much I loved him. So I begged God to just give me time. I'm like, Lord, a week, a month, anything, just give me time. And God gave me a year, a solid year, where I could love him every day and I could take care of him and serve him. But I had to walk that year. And... uh when I met my storm, I knew enough from October 1st of 1977 that you hang on to Jesus through these things. Because after October 1st, 1977, I was able to have Shar and JJ and Haley. Those are my kids. JJ, you know. And my son I adopted. God did many things. But I had to go through that first storm. When I went through the thing with Ed, I knew who to go to. And uh, and God had met me, and I was able, we were all around him when he died, and we went to be with the Lord. It was a beautiful, horrible thing. It was a beautiful, horrible year. It's just kind of how it works, you know? And what I learned in that is that absolutely everything is temporary. You guys, everything is temporary. And I was so aware of it at that point. 
okay? We just get used to life and you go on and you're doing your thing and you forget that everything is temporary. We as Christians are living for eternity. That's what it's about. It's all about eternity. And so when your pastor talks about how can you reach out and comfort people, how can you reach out to people? How can you share the good news of your faith? This is for eternity. This is forever. My husband is enjoying the Lord. I'm not as happy, but he's having a ball right now. <laughs> and so the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4.17 that for our light affliction is for a moment. It is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. We have to focus our eyes on what is seen, not what we do not focus our eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We have a friend of ours in Israel who um, had breast cancer and she ended up passing away. And she was young, 28 years old, and totally awful story. But a month before she died, she died. <laughs> she went and they brought her back, okay? And she saw the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Esther, I'm so proud of you, the way you talked to that woman at the, at the airport, how you, how you spoke to them. I'm so proud of you, how you loved your son. She had a Down syndrome child. How you find joy in him. I'm so proud of you. And she was a worship leader, a songwriter. She goes, what about my songs, my worship? He goes, it's who you are and how you love others. That's what it's all about. It's all about loving God with your heart, soul, and mind and loving others like you love yourself. If you hear of a need, be the first to go. And if you don't know what to do, like if it's a person with who's lost a mate, um, DoorDash coupons were pretty cool. Okay? doesn't have to be big. It's just that being there. Don't you just love showing Jesus in your hugs to people? I love that. That's my favorite thing, is to show the Lord to somebody who doesn't know him. It really is. Um, what the church is called to do, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, to keep oneself unspotted by the world. There are 103 references to widows in the scripture. Pretty wild, huh? There are 2,000 references to the poor in scripture. There are 30 references to the orphan, and there's over 300 references to comfort. And that's just the beginning. We know who we're supposed to go to, but over 2,000 just for the poor and needy. Come on. So that's our call, is to reach out. And it can be tiny ways. For me, honestly, I wasn't somebody that wanted people to come in my home. I was kind of like, okay, <laughs> I needed to be alone. But the cards, the notes, I don't even send cards. I, I'm terrible. But people sent me dozens and dozens and dozens of cards, and it was so meaningful. All those things, the little things that you don't even think about, was so meaningful. And so God will bring about people in your life that are hurting, 
in the way, usually, that you're hurting, exactly what your pastor said. And you will sit there and find yourself going, oh, great, here I am, you know? And um, he uses you. He uses you in that. And it brings you comfort and joy. And even for me, like, when I'm used by God, I know heaven's singing. I know my husband's in the great cloud of witnesses. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So, that's it. Thanks, Kath. So, um, you don't have to solve anything. just have to show up. And it's really powerful when we do that. So, our first practice is be with, right? And actually, you guys can do that too. It's okay. But our second practice is what? What is it again? Mirror, Mirror, right? So the second practice for being an amazing comforter is mirroring. And what I mean by that is is getting so close to a person that is in a struggle that you actually can reflect back to them what they're dealing with and the pain that they're feeling, um, the sadness that they're feeling, whatever it is, that we attune to them. Right, that we connect with them, that we empathize with them, that we actually feel their feels, right? That we actually begin to feel what they are feeling. That's what mirroring is. The way that the, the Bible describes it is that we, uh, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. That's what we get to do, right? That's what mirroring is. And one of my favorite stories, um, uh, of this is it actually has to do with Molly and Mary's mom, Patty Velada. So Patty is a, she, uh, for a very long time was like a world traveler, um, uh, teaching on Emmanuel prayer. And she, you know, traveled everywhere. She's an incredibly smart and gifted woman. And, um, and so, but they traveled a ton. And, uh, there is, you know, as, as happens, um, she was on a flight, and when she got to her destination, the bags weren't there, right? And she needed those bags. And so she went to the desk, and she was pretty, pretty hot, pretty frustrated, like, hey, this is not, this is not, you know, something that I, uh, I'm very happy about. So she got to the desk, and she was ticked off. And of course, when she gets to talk to the lady, you would imagine the lady be like, very calming, present, okay, calm down. We, you know, okay, we're gonna take care of it. And so, you know, Patty gets there, and she's like, you guys lost my bag, and I'm ticked off, whatever it is. And the woman at the desk goes, we lost your bag? Well, that's not okay. I'm ticked off about that. And Patty's like, yeah, that's no, that's not right. You guys should do better. She's like, we should do better. I hate it when that happens. That's terrible. How could they do that? That happened to me once. It was awful. I bet you're ticked off. And in about three minutes, Patty's going, well, it's not that bad. It's okay. You know, it's, it's like, it, it, it'll be okay. Like, I, I'm cool. You cool. I'm cool, you know. And there's something about someone getting as angry as you are about the thing that makes you angry. There's something uh, powerful about somebody, somebody getting as sad as you are about the thing that makes you sad. That's what mirroring is. And it's how Jesus is. When our heart breaks, his heart breaks. When we're angry at some sort of unrighteous, unjust thing, he's angry about it too. 
And all of this stuff, don't think about it, you guys, about in here. Yes, we do it in here, but we have to get it outside the walls of this church. And so, how are we going to do this? Well, you know, you have the two tools. They are... Okay, you've got the tools. But the rubber meets the road when we get outside the walls of this church and we look for people to do this with. And the way to do it is to simply be with, to show up and mirror, and then it all hinges on this. Because we can comfort someone with great comfort temporarily, right? You can leave them in much better shape than you found them. But what they need more than anything is the comforter himself. What they need more than anything is the one who will comfort them and strengthen them for life. And so our job is to put them hand to hand. And there's one word, one thing that we can do that links that up and it's testimony. And I know that testimony is like such a churchy word, but the point is this. You have a story of the comfort of God. The reason you are sitting here listening to me is because you have been comforted. You have a comfort testimony. And so when you are ministering to someone and talking with them, you could do this so powerfully that if you just hung out with them, if you just sat with them, if you mirrored with them, I believe that there will come a moment where they will say to you, thank you. I, I can't believe how you loved me so well. And in that moment, when they are feeling gratitude for experiencing a comfort and a compassion they probably have never experienced before, in that moment, that's when you say, I'll tell you why I'm here. I'll tell you why I can do this. It's because I have been comforted by Jesus. It's because my life has been changed by this one who has turned my life upside down and given me hope and given me peace and given me joy. Just saying that is powerful. I will tell you how easy it is. The reason I'm a Christian is because I was comforted. That's it. I was a flunky, drop out of school kid. I didn't graduate high school on time. I was horrible, horrible. And I ended up in the military. All of my friends went to college. I was in the army. What a, <laughs> that's a debacle, right? I did not want to be there. And I was away from home for the first time. I was sad. I was scrawny. It was not a good situation. And I was so lonely. And I felt like such a failure. And in that place of being in the army, the Lord met me. He sent this guy named Scott, and Scott started to share the gospel with me. He, talked, he started talking about Jesus, and Scott became the instrument of God's comfort to me, and I found myself comforted, and I, I decided I want more of this, and Scott told me, well, if you want more, it's Jesus, and I gave my life to Christ, and I became a pastor, and I've done everything that I've ever done because he met me, and he comforted me when I needed comfort. That's the whole story. I shared it with you in two minutes. My whole life has been changed by the comfort of God. So create your story. That's your homework. Write your comfort story so that you can share it with people as you comfort them. And I know you guys, at least half of you are very comforting people. The rest, the rest of you can work on it. Okay, why don't we stand up?
let's ask God to do this, this thing. And just seek him for yourself. I, 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 I know the Holy Spirit is just like, oh, he's, he's got something for you. Holy Spirit, comforter of Christ. I know that there are many of us in this room that need to be comforted right now, but I, I actually feel the Lord is, is just setting that aside for a moment. And he's saying, I want to use you to be my comfort. We might say, but God, I'm so, I'm so broken. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't feel happy myself. And the Lord is saying, oh, but I can use that so much to, to make your life ripple into eternity. And so I would just invite you to invite God to use you to be his comfort, to be his peace. There are divine appointments waiting for you this week. There's a person deeply in need of the comfort of God, and you'll be the one. You'll be the one. And so, Lord, I I just pray that you would put power on these people, that you would animate by your spirit the card that gets written, the sitting over coffee that gets done, the hug, just that, that, that moment of checking in, Lord, fill it right now. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would let us be like John the Baptist, that we would point the way to Jesus. Lord, I pray for a John the Baptist anointing for every one of us, that we would point the way to Jesus. Make us powerful in this work, Lord.